This is episode number 38 of The Art of Med School, where we help creative minds understand medicine. Today, we are going to be talking about benign versus malignant, I'm assuming that means tumors, uh, on being a married single mom, and the time part one. So as we're spending some time talking about cancer and getting to know sort of the general principles and everything that goes along with it, I thought this would be a really important time to talk about benign versus malignant. I'm not sure that that difference is totally understood, so let's uh, let's clear a few things up. Because I think we think benign and we automatically think everything's cool, everything's good. Malignant, it's an automatic death sentence. That's not exactly true. Actually, both benign and malignant are monoclonal, meaning they come from a single precursor cell. Benign tumors are well differentiated. And the thing that is sort of encouraging about them is that they essentially have no potential to metastasize. They can't, they can't spread. That's not actually entirely true. They can spread, and they actually spread through, um, I believe, metagenesis, I think through the blood system. I don't have that in my notes in front of me, so I'm not entirely certain. However, it is important to know that they have very, very little potential to metastasize, but that does not mean no potential to metastasize. They are also slow-growing, well-circumscribed, and this looks really cool. Actually, it looks really cool when, you know, the patient has already died and they've sliced them up and you get to see a slice of their tumor. It's encapsulated. So there is sort of a fibrous tissue that goes all the way around the tumor. Malignant tumors, on the other hand, oh, I didn't, I, I did say benign were well differentiated. I did not explain what that means. And I probably should. So well differentiated means that it looks very different. I don't know if that makes as much sense to you as it did not to me when I first learned that. So I, I, it looks different in the sense that when you think of a, of a generic non-functional stem, stem cell that hasn't differentiated into whatever tissue it needs to be, that would be poorly differentiated. It's, it's very much the same as everything else. Well differentiated means that it has developed whatever structures or it's expressing the right genes that if it's supposed to be a simple squamous it looks like a simple squamous it's very differentiated or well differentiated from that original precursor cell so benign tumors are well differentiated they look like whatever they're supposed to look like or whatever their 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 precursor cell so this simple squamous looks like simple squamous uh Pyre's patches looks like pyre patches, whatever. Malignant tumors, on the other hand, are poorly differentiated, and those have a much higher potential to metastasize, and they do have a tendency to grow rapidly. They're also poorly circumscribed, so they don't have this, you know, these nice clean borders. Now, when you uh, talk about the, the language of cancer, it's interesting to note, too, that they are both benign and malignant tumors are named very similarly. And this actually, once you get this down, this makes learning about cancer or understanding kind of what's going on uh, quite a bit easier. It's essentially the tissue followed by the appropriate suffix. Of course, there's going to be some exceptions for this, but the, a benign tumor is the name of the tissue followed by OMA. A malignant tumor is the name of the tissue, followed by sarcoma. So if I say you have an osteoma, osteo, bone, 
ulma, benign, you have a benign bone tumor. If that bone tumor were actually malignant, we would say osteosarcoma. Osteo, bone, sarcoma, malignant. Not hard, right? So, uh, rhabdomyoma. Rhabdo means muscle. So, benign muscle tumor, rhabdomyoma. Malignant muscle uh, tumor, rhabdomyosarcoma. Now, there are some exceptions because this is, you know, not an exact science, and we have exceptions for pretty much everything. And the exceptions that are malignant, we, lymphoma is malignant, melanoma is malignant, mesothelioma, and seminoma, those are all malignant. We also have the term, uh, the, the suffix blastoma, and those are malignant tumors that arise from undifferentiated precursor cells. There's also chondroblastoma, which resembles cells that are precursors to uh, cartilage. Sorry, that's an example for a malignant tumor that arises from undifferentiated precursor cells. Chondroblast tumor, uh, blastoma, it's uh, a malignant tumor of the precursors to cartilage. Another one I want to point out is teratoma. A teratoma comes from at least two different germ lines or, or uh, cell, cell types. And this is where you see a tumor that will have like hair in it and teeth in it, that kind of thing. And they Google image it because that stuff looks awesome. Make sure you check us out on artofmedschool.com. We have a ton of more information, blog posts, any of our past episodes that you might have missed, as well as some really fun underwater photography that Mike has been working on. There's some cute photos of fish. So check us out on artofmedschool.com. All right. So on being, on preparing to be a married single mom. Okay. So first of all, huge shout out to the for real single moms out there. I, uh, there's just not a lot of resources for you out there, which is awful. And, you know, and that, that I'm looking at, I'm looking at, um, you know, resources on breastfeeding and resources on, you know, whatever. And they're always like, and these are ways to involve your partner and your partner and you need to do this. And I'm like, yo, what if you don't have one, you know? And like, I, I, uh, and, and I got so upset the other night because like I, I went to, I went to this, um, how not to kill your infant class, uh, and I was the only person there alone, which is, you know, whatever. And I'm pretty confident and I'm 34 and I'm really cool. Right. Right. Um, but like they straight up had like a moment in class where it's like, talk to your partner about how your life is going to change. First of all, um, if you are, and then they give you like 10 minutes to talk and I'm like, well, if you're only giving you 10 minutes to talk, uh, that's a problem. And if you haven't decided that you are going to have that conversation independently of of yourselves, then you're also going to have a problem. Um, but like, then I was there all alone and I'm like, yeah, no, I legit have someone that could be here with me, but if I didn't, that'd be awful and super embarrassing. One of those teachers came and sat with me and like had a little pity party with me, but like, 
you know, I, it's, it's, it's just not set up for the, for real single moms. And there's not a lot of resources out there. I've kind of started looking, you know, after, after that experience, I was feeling, you know, really legit bad and, and thinking, you know, and, and, and I don't know, I don't know any statistics or anything, but my, my assumption you know, when when I imagine a single a single mom, I'm imagining somebody that is probably um, probably younger and probably uh, with less financial resources. You know, and these are people that need them to be able to like successfully take care of a child, to be able to have have situations and not feel awkward going to uh, how not to kill your baby class. So anyway, off my soapbox, but um yeah, um big shout out to the for real single moms out there. Um also uh if if anybody wants to put in the comments, I I don't have Showtime, but I really want to watch the show Smilf. Um it's on Showtime, but I don't get Showtime, but I think it looks hilarious. Anyway, um, that being said, um, yeah, going to uh, birthing classes alone. So I, I had that first experience, and it was kind of terrible. Um, but they were, you know, the instructors were super nice, and, you know, and I think they kind of are reassessing how they're going to be talking about um you know, that, those portions of the class, but, and they also came up after me and they were like, yeah, so have you not signed up for Lamaze classes? Cause you're, you don't want to go alone. And I was like, yeah, I didn't sign up for any Lamaze classes cause I don't want to go alone. They were like, just so you know, we are really happy and excited to do, um, to do those on a one-on-one if you're ever interested. And I thought that was really nice, but I didn't know that by looking at any of their resources online, you know? And so maybe thinking about, you know, maybe they should think about, um, putting more of that information down and maybe I should think about giving them that feedback. Cause I think that'd be really helpful. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm not opting to do that option, which was very, generous of them um because i am going to be using uh a doula but partially part of the reason that i decided to hire a doula is because i didn't want to go to those classes alone so anyway um but you know after i had that experience and i was kind of talking to people like all of my people were like dread no like why didn't you call me and i was like well i thought it would be fine and so then for subsequent classes i have called people up and then in subsequent classes of course i was not the only person there alone so whatever but uh but so uh so you know not not being embarrassed to to call in your Calling your people. I actually took my boss with me to breastfeeding class, <laughs> but my boss and I have a very unique relationship, so that's fine. Um, and yeah, now that I, so when I first moved back to Sioux Falls, I was in rehearsal for shows back to back to back, and uh, and that I, that I directed one show, and then the day that one closed, I started rehearsal the next day for the other show and it was just so much time commitment and 
I think anybody that does theater out there in the world knows that when you're in rehearsal, you don't have friends that aren't in the show. And so uh, now that I'm not doing that, trying to be really intentional with reconnecting to other people in my life, uh, you know, so trying to make friends with people who are moms, trying to reconnect with other people that I do know, um, you know, and thinking about ways to maintain that after, um, after the birth and after even Micah goes back. So, uh, like I, I hung out with a friend last night and, um, that I actually read at her wedding and Micah was like, one of, like was in this wedding and, uh, and you know, then they're really into this couple's really into film. And I was like, but it, it would be really cool if like you guys could, we could have like a standing, uh, movie thing where you guys could come over. And so then I could put the baby down and then we could actually like watch a movie and kind of be, I could have an adult time, which I think would be, really beneficial to have kind of like a standing thing. Um, so, you know, just trying to think about ways to make, to, to maintain that identity, like to maintain like being an adult and having friends and all of those sorts of things while, um, while I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of a single mom for a while. So that's what I got. our Patreon account. Please go check it out. You can find a link on our website or just look up Art of Med School on Patreon.com. This is a great way to support us as we work hard to make the most and best content possible. You can find more information on our homepage at artofmedschool.com. And every little bit helps. Thanks. One of the things that really helped me get through anatomy, especially the skeletal muscle system, actually specifically the skeletal muscle system, was just understanding some kind of base concepts. Specifically, in the skeletal muscle system, muscles pull. They don't push, they pull. And so if I could imagine, you know, my my bicep is attached to my shoulder, and it reaches down and attaches to my forearm. Well, all it can do is pull. So, of course, it's going to flex my arm. It's going to bend at the elbow, right? And that made so much sense to me. It made learning anatomy a lot easier, especially just, you know, the functions of what muscles are going to do, what that kind of thing. And then we get to the tongue. The tongue does not work like that. It is one of the few muscles or sets of muscles in the body that actually push. The tongue also has a bunch of other really cool things going on with it. So that's what we're going to discuss today. Uh, it's, it's, so it's essentially just a group of skeletal muscles and epithelial tissue. And there's some highly developed epithelial tissue or specialized epithelial tissue that we'll get into. It's divided into sections. So you have the posterior region which is the root of the tongue and that actually forms the front of your laryngopharynx the superior surface the top is of course covered with taste buds and those are just really developed or, or specialized epithelial tissue uh the there's there's four kinds there's the fungiform papillae 
which is on the dorsal and lateral surface, the valley papillae, and that's on the posterior region, and there's not a lot of them. Foliate, which is posterior and lateral, and the filiform papillae, which are, you can actually see these, they form mechanical ridges uh, on your tongue that scrape or shear food. Now, if you look at the very back, I'd like to think that you're actually looking in the mirror right now. I doubt that you actually are. But when you look in the very back, you can see a little depression on the back, and that is called the foramen cecum. That is actually the origin of your thyroid gland, which is pretty interesting. So it actually forms there uh, when when you're a fetus, and then it migrates down to to live in your in your throat area uh it's obliterated uh, it's okay so it's obliterating opening of the thyroglossal duct and sometimes that can stay patent too and it's actually a really common area that will find ectopic thyroid tissue so thyroid tissue that just never you know went away and then the part of your tongue or the part that keeps your tongue down so underneath your tongue, I just pointed to it, not like you can see me right now, but I absolutely did just point to this part of my tongue. So the, so if you look in a mirror and you lift your tongue up and you see that little that little bit that is, is attached, that's called the lingual frenulum. And basically that is its job to attach to the tongue and keep you from swallowing your own tongue. So there, we're, we're going to get into the specific muscles of the of the tongue and we're going to talk a little bit about what innervates what because that gets to be really interesting as well the tongue actually develops from multiple pharyngeal arches which means that it has multiple cranial nerves that are working with it Uh, we'll talk about extrinsic muscles next time so make sure to tune into the next episode There you have it. That was episode number 38 of the Art of Med School, where we help creative minds understand medicine. Today we talked about benign versus malignant on being a married single mom and the tongue, part one. Our theme music, Urbana Matronica Wuya Mix by Spinning Mercata, is copyright 2011, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. This show is not affiliated or endorsed in any way by St. James School of Medicine. Micah just goes there. The Art of Med School podcast is part of the Art of Med School network. For more information, find us on the web at artofmedschool.com. 